the encounter that Jesus had with the man who came and said, what is the greatest commandment? There's all these commandments. Uh, There's the ten commandments that we know in the Old Testament, and there's hundreds of commandments in Scripture. So what's the greatest, Jesus? And Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6. With all heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one, by the way, he says, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it is our vision here at Highland Park that we can help people love God and love other people. And Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many. It's so tempting. Our our human uh, instinct is to want to get people to serve us. And yet, Jesus says, if you follow me, your habit becomes to serve other people. We look to serve others, to bless them with how God has gifted us. So our desire over the next four weeks is to take the command from Scripture and just get really practical, kind of rubber-hit-the-road stuff. And we want to get fit to get healthy with our soul, our mind, our bank, and our body. And I want you to, to be really clear. This is not a self-help series. I'm not interested in preaching a self-help sermon because if self-help really worked, we'd all be helped by now, right? We'd all be fine. Everything would be good. Now, there's nothing wrong with a self-help book. Those can be helpful to us. But we recognize here as the church that the only real, long-lasting, true, deep help comes from God. God can help us. And we can't help each other beyond what God can do in us, and God can use us to help others and to care for others, but ultimately is God who transforms our hearts and our souls and our minds and our banks and our bodies. It is God who does the great work in us. And I also just need to say right off the bat that when I say those four words, uh, soul, mind, bank, body, for some of you, you get an immediate twinge of guilt. You're like, ugh. You don't want to see my checkbook. You, you don't want to know how I've handled finances. You, you don't want to know uh, what I've focused my mind on. Uh, you, you don't, I, I, I feel guilty about where I am physically. And um, Listen, we're all here together. I mean, look around at us. We're a mess. We need God's grace. Can we just say we need God's grace in this? And so I pray that we can come together just in a spirit of grace to say, Listen, God has done a great work in us, but he continues to do a great work in us. And none of us have arrived. We all have room where God can grow and work in us, maybe in an area that we think is a complete wreck, or maybe just an area that we've been improving and God's been working in us, but God wants to continue to keep working in us that way. So today, the word is soul. And when you think about having a healthy soul, I think what we have to say is to have a healthy soul means you are spiritually growing. That's the same thing. And so I want to ask some questions, kind of probing questions, just to begin this morning, uh, to let you kind of think about how healthy is your soul? Do you need spiritual growth? Question one is this. Would your faith survive brutal suffering? Some of you already know the answer to that because you've experienced that. Over Christmas break, um, I read uh, a book that many of us read in high school or college, or maybe you've read it since then, uh, but a book that was the number two selling book of the entire 19th century, second only to the Bible, a book that I think shaped much of our country, 
but it's called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Anybody read that book? I hope so. If you have not, you should. I think every American and every Christian should read that book. Um, And if you're an American and a Christian, you should definitely read that book because it shaped uh, our country and really turned the tide of our country in many ways. Such a powerful book. But uh, there's many heroes that, uh, that emerge in that book, but the one that is the greatest is Tom. And Tom uh, has every bit of suffering come his way that somebody could imagine. Uh, he's ripped away from his family uh, because of slavery. Um, he, his home is taken, finances taken, health is taken. He experienced loss after loss after loss, and to the point where at the end of his life, he's enduring these terrible, terrible beatings at the hand of his slave owner. But what makes Tom so heroic is that all throughout that, he never curses his oppressors. He refuses to. People are saying, Tom, give up on your faith. Give up. Why would you still, where is God in all of this? And Tom said, no, no, don't say that. I still have faith. And he would continue to quote when Jesus said, Come to me, all who grow weary, and I will give you rest. Because Tom actually experienced in the midst of that suffering rest. And as you know, there is a life to come in which we experience full rest. And so with that story in the back of your mind, I just want to ask you again, would your faith survive brutal suffering? Second question, is your faith leading you to make disciples? We define discipleship as this here at Highland Park, uh, helping people know God and helping people grow in God. It's really fairly simple. Uh, you may remember, I've done, used this metaphor a couple times, but I had a table here with three chairs around it, and we talk about the three chairs of discipleship. Chair one is, I sit here and somebody feeds me spiritually. And that's what happened with all of us when we first came to Christ. Somebody taught us. Somebody shared with us. Somebody studied with us. They fed us. And it's like I'm sitting here and they're bringing the food to me so I can eat. And all of us have hopefully been there at some point. And if not, you're there right now. You have the opportunity to be spiritually fed even this morning. But God does not want us to stay forever in chair number one. He wants us to move to chair number two where not only are we still being fed spiritually, But now we're learning to spiritually feed ourselves. And just like you you don't want to be feeding your child when they're 5, 7, 15, 20, still, you know, scooping the Gerber, whatever stuff they put in there. Um, you, You want your child to learn to feed themselves and to be able to make their own toast and cereal and sandwiches and then cook one day. And that's what God wants for us too, is to be able to feed ourselves spiritually. But we aren't just to stay at chair number two. God wants us to eventually get to chair number three where we are still feeding ourselves and we're still being fed by others, but now we're also feeding others. That's called making disciples because at that point, we're helping people know God and grow in God. And it is chair number three where God wants us to move to. And you may be at chair number one or chair number two, and God is gracious with us, but he is pulling you to move in your faith and to grow in your faith so that you can be part of making disciples. The Bible knows of no disciple, none, who doesn't end up making other disciples. That's just what we see in Scripture. 
If you become a follower of Jesus, you help other people become followers of Jesus. If you become a disciple, you help other people uh, become disciples. That's just what it means to be a disciple. So is your faith leading you to make disciples? Third question, is your faith accompanied by works? There's a, a long list in the Bible of things that you're not supposed to do, the naughty list. But sometimes we forget about the long list in the Bible of things that we are supposed to do. James says if you see the good uh, that you're supposed to do and don't do it, that's still sin. And God says, I want you to have a, this faith where you're doing stuff. You're loving, you're giving, you're serving, you're sacrificing, you're caring, um, you're, you're doing things. And I just want to ask you, is your faith more than just like I believe intellectually, but is your faith actually moving into actions where you believe it so much that you do it, that you live it out. The fourth question could kind of umbrella all of these. Is your faith growing? Is it growing? The sign of somebody who, um, whose soul is healthy is somebody whose faith is growing and growing and growing and growing. The moment we say, I'm done, we begin to spiritually die because God wants to keep doing this work in us, to keep growing us and growing us and growing us. I got her permission to share this story. Some of you, uh, many of you, a bunch of you were here for the Thanksgiving dinner, what, two months ago or so? And we were over there at the activity center and you probably did not see something that happened. Maybe a few of you did. But one of our high school students, Peyton, was in the parking lot a lot of our students help people bring food in and kind of get stuff ready. And the lady just happened to be walking by, walking through the parking lot. The lady looked cold. Uh, it looked like she'd had a pretty rough day, if not pretty rough life. That's just kind of what your eyes would tell you. And Peyton walked by her and continued to go on up to the door to come in when that little voice came from God that said, go talk to that lady. When Peyton told me the story, she's like, oh, do I really have to? Yeah, I have to. That moment where you say to God, I heard you and I'll obey is a sign of spiritual growth. And that moment should be happening often to us. So Peyton turned around, went, and to this lady who was very nervous, uh, when Peyton approached her and Peyton just said, would, would you like to come have dinner with us? We're all having dinner. And the lady cautiously, nervously said, yes. And you may have seen her. She came in and sat with Peyton's family. And they made sure she went through the line and got a meal and visited with her, made sure she got to where she needed to go that night later, giving her a ride. Peyton's dad gave her a ride. And uh, of all the cool things that happened at the Thanksgiving dinner, that may be the one that I most remember because it was an example of the church being the church and something surprising happening that nobody expected because God kind of jumped in the middle of Peyton's night. And a sign of spiritual growth is when we begin listening to God's prompting saying, do this, quit doing this, think about this person, care for this person, help this person, pray for this person, Go here, volunteer for this, commit yourself to this, quit this altogether. When, when we begin listening to God speaking to us, 
It's a sign of spiritual growth. So is your faith growing? We used to have a couple Bradford pear trees. Anybody else used to have a couple Bradford pear trees? The reason we used to have them is because Bradford pear trees are notorious for not having deep roots. And if you don't have deep roots in Oklahoma, you just don't do very well when you have really fast wind and really heavy ice. And so we've lost a couple of Bradford pear trees um, because they've just fallen over. Uh, I remember when the first one fell, um, one of my sons was really little at the time, and he was watching out the window, and his rope swing was on it. And he started crying as we saw it crash to the ground. We're like, oh, there went that rope swing. Um, Bradford pear trees don't do all that well in severe weather because they don't have the roots that are needed. And that just brings me to a couple of scriptures that I want to read. The first comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, rooted in Christ. Then over at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, I pray that out of his, Christ, glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That idea of God can do immeasurably more is the idea that God can do more in us. When we think we are weak, he becomes strong. And you think, man, my spiritual life is kind of a mess right now. Don't doubt what God can do in your soul to strengthen your faith. And too many self-proclaimed Christians have become like the Bradford pear tree with roots that have quit growing. And as soon as the roots quit growing, the tree becomes vulnerable to death and destruction. And the same is true for Christians. And Jesus has really strong words for the person who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but it has quit growing. Jesus says, I'd rather spit you out of my mouth. Pretty intense words from Jesus. Jesus says, you are in danger of hell. You are in danger of dying, of destruction. And so, church, we cannot afford to sit on the sidelines and watch other people grow and just be happy with where we are. God has called us to keep moving forward. And as we enter into 2017, God is saying to us, keep moving forward. Don't quit. Don't say, I've done enough. I've served my time, or I did this, or I'm just going to kind of go along with this. And we get so distracted. That's where the idols of life come in. And that uh, academics, or sports, or money, or comfort, these things can kind of take a hold of our minds. 
maybe a relationship, and we get so focused on that, we completely quit thinking about even growing. I'll tell you, if you want to spiritually grow, you have to commit. You have to commit to it. I I mean, think about the person who says, yeah, I, I want to get financially healthy. And then somebody says, well, will you commit to doing a budget? Well, no, I don't really want to do anything like that. I'm just going to start doing better. Mm, sure you are. Without the commitment and discipline, you know what people's finances will look like. It'll be a wreck. What about the person who physically says, I'm going to start getting healthy. And the person says, okay, well, can we talk about um, food and exercise? Well, I don't want to talk about either of those things. I'm going to do other things to make myself physically healthy. Well, what would those be? (laughs) If we aren't willing to commit to something, we'll never get healthy in anything. And when it comes to spiritual growth, if we aren't willing to commit to anything, good luck growing. We just won't. It's not easy. It takes work. And if you're frustrated and feel like, wow, I, I just can't find fellowship and community with anyone, then I want to ask you, have you committed to community and to fellowship with anyone? If you say, I I just feel like I don't know God very well, God's in the same place. His scriptures are still right there. He is available and open. I want to say, have you committed to reading the scriptures? Have you committed to prayer? If we don't commit, uh, we never connect with God and with others the way that he intends. It's not easy. I don't want to stand here and preach and say, hey, it's all easy, but oh my goodness, is it good. And you know how that is when you've committed to something and, and when you get to the end of it and the project at work is done uh, or the team's season is over and regardless of all the outcomes, it feels good to know that you gave it your best because you saw the growth that happened. And And how much more so when we're talking about eternal things, things that matter. And they matter not just for your soul, but you realize if your soul is healthier, then you have the opportunity to help the souls around you be healthier. So what we're talking about matters for you and for your family and for your friends and for the people at school and work and around the corner, the people that you rub shoulders with. It matters for everyone that your soul be healthy and growing Augustine wrote this in his book, Confessions. My soul is like a house, small for you to enter, but I pray you to enlarge it. It is in ruins, but I ask you to remake it. It contains much that you will not be pleased to see. This I know, and do not hide. But who is to rid it of these things? There is no one but you. Spiritual growth is saying, God, go ahead and come in. I know you're going to find some messes but I give you the key and you can start cleaning house. I'll let you, I know, I know you're gonna throw away some things that'll be a little painful to me, but I say yes to that. Henry Nguyen, who uh, wrote a lot of books about spiritual growth and uh, uh, really was a remarkable, remarkable Christian man in many ways, um, at one point was professor of theology and spiritual growth at Notre Dame, Yale, and then Harvard. And so he was with the elites of the elites. And he was in this prestigious job as a tenured professor. And he came to a moment 
where he realized that his soul was withering in the midst of him trying to teach the nation's best. And he decided that his soul was worth doing anything, sacrificing anything. And he left his job at Harvard, went up to Toronto, and took a job as chaplain uh, in a, uh, an organization that helped people with severe mental disabilities. He, he went from uh, teaching uh, some of the academic elites of the world to a place where he was changing diapers and helping people get dressed and ministering to them and caring for people who sometimes could not even speak back to him. And he did that because he realized he was in this output mode for so long that even though he was doing lots of stuff, his soul had begun to wither. And I just want to ask you, what do you need to do in order to value your soul so highly, in order to say, I need God so much, that you will say, okay, God, this seems a little bit radical, but I will do it and trust you because you are not done with me yet. Jesus Christ is the only person, you realize, who never woke up one day and said, man, I really need to do better. <laughs> you ever thought about that? I mean, maybe when his dad was teaching him carpentry, he thought, I need to cut the line straighter or something. But when it came to spiritual things, Jesus never needed to do better. But he's the only one. The rest of us can do better. And Jesus, even though he never needed to do better, he did have to stay the course and say, I will keep pursuing the Father. And we need to look at that dedication and say, we will do the same. And while we are imperfect in many ways, God has done and is doing and will do this great work in us. And this morning, if you would like for God to begin a work in you, maybe you've never said yes to Christ, we would love to welcome you to think about what it means to be baptized and to say, I commit my life to God fully. Maybe you would like somebody to pray with you or for you, and we'll have some folks up front that would be glad to pray with you or for you during the next song or once the service is done. If you want to just mark on your communication card, you want somebody to come visit with you uh, this week, study and pray, we would love to do that well. If you would, would you stand? Let me pray for us. God, we acknowledge that we need your supernatural work in our lives so that we can be healthy. We know that only you can save our soul. And there's nothing worth gaining in the world if we lose our soul. So God, for the person who has never committed to you, I pray that today would be their day. For the person who's been, become like the Bradford pear tree and they've quit deepening their roots, can I pray today that they would commit to letting you work in them and to grow them and to not settling. I pray that 2017 would be a year of great spiritual growth because of what you do in us and through us, and that matters for everyone around us and for generations to come. So God, we submit ourselves to you to do a great work spiritually in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.